the werewolf of Prairie Grove. It was a small town in Illinois, though not that small. Not so small that you didn't have ten houses to your right and ten houses to your left and another row across the street and sidewalks and street lamps at either end of the block, except on the outskirts where the buildings thinned and decayed, rotted first from the inside like a black cavity, and as you moved farther from the still brick-paved main street, the weeds along the gray gravel-shouldered road grow taller and thicker and the people scarcer. The neglect more apparent until the skeletons begin to show, rickety fire-licked two-by-four joints, the houses like dead animals in the encroaching grass, the insides picked clean, as if the town was in retreat, folding back in on itself, fleeing east ahead of a besieging wilderness, while the Nickerson house, no more than a foundation and a crumbling chimney at the spear point of civilization, stood sentinel over the vast night-dead prairie and the dense woods beyond, and the land beyond the trees, rising and rolling westward to the wide mud-brown river, bubble-specked surface rolling ever onward beneath the crystalline moon and the rollicking train-racked iron trestle bridge which spanned it, thin, crazed, and lonesome banshee whistle, needle-piercing the languid summer dark beyond the far bank. Evan Sanders crouched on the roof outside his bedroom window. Tomorrow was the first day of fifth grade, his last year at Farnsworth Elementary. Even at nearly eleven, he was already nostalgic. The summer was over. The heat would persist for several weeks. The first morning frost would not come before the second week in October but the season of warm things was receding now before his eyes, slipping away over the dark western horizon. The season of sleeping in, of waking up early to play video games, of 8 a.m. lawnmowers and cicadas by 9, the pop-sizzle rush of firecrackers over front lawns, and the pleasant itch of sprinkler wet grass clippings on bare feet. Water balloons burst at the spigot or across sunburnt backs, Ice-cold movies on Sunday afternoons and waiting in traffic for the zoo to open. Knees scraped raw by stucco-bottomed public pools. Days spent morning to dusk at the baseball field, not even breaking for lunch, chasing the ball all over the outfield since there were not more than six or seven boys there most days. Pack it away in a box for next year. Pack it, still glowing white like a July 3.30, in the attic until May. In time, it will be a season of bonfires and smoky air, of cold mornings and colder nights, fog creeping down from the hills outside of town, and uneasy winds blowing through brittle corn stalks. But when he boarded the bus in the morning, it was nearly 90 degrees. A deadened period. Old world fading, new world not yet born. The school was air-conditioned like a refrigerator through the second week of September. He'd step outside for recess and begin to inflate to his full size, face twinkling, fingers and toes thawing. An asphalt lot off the back of the school had been freshly painted for Foursquare and Hopscotch. Beyond the lot was the playground, split down the middle into an old iron and wood section and a new modern plastic section. A playing field past that, cut weakly to prevent it from melting back into the prairie around it. A dense line of trees ran all along the western border, 
hiding the lands beyond from schoolyards of students for as far back as anyone in town could remember. The first Saturday of the school year finally arrived, and all of the boys reconvened at the ball field near the edge of town, splitting off into teams and moving about as if conducting a ritual to resurrect the lost season. But the air was all wrong. The feeling was gone. The hazy sense of endlessness of three months of empty calendar to cross off was replaced by a barely suppressed urgency, standing in the outfield, watching the sun cross the sky, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, then it was a whole week of sitting behind desks and an endless string of weeks waiting beyond that, on and on till December, which was unthinkably distant from here, never mind next summer. The cicadas croaked in the heat, the boys played and sweated, and nobody suggested they break for lunch. The traffic hum and town bustle sounded a million miles away. When the wind blew right, you'd swear they'd never existed at all. But as the afternoon wore on, the rosters began to thin. The same hitters appeared over and over. One by one, the players walked off the diamond, waving goodbye. Some stooped through the gaps in the underbrush, sneakers slapping down well-worn shortcuts through the woods. Others mounted bikes, plucked and righted from the gleaming metal pile along the right field line, and shot off like an arrow over country roads between tall fields of corn ready for the harvest. Back to town, to streetlights and civilization, to parents and beds and trimmed lawns and neatly ordered front doors, closed tight against whatever waited out there in the half-mapped hinterlands. By the time the sun dropped behind the trees, there remained only five boys. They took turns lobbing each other meatballs and seeing who could hit more home runs. Only Tony, Ryan, and Jack had any chance, and Jack only managed to, to clear the fence once. Tony was the best among them, always picked first whenever teams were divided. When he hit the ball, you knew it was him, the way the ball came screaming off his bat. He was the only one there to ever have been intentionally walked. But today, Ryan, not normally known for his hitting, was keeping pace with him, going nearly swing for swing, the orange SF embroidered on the black field of the Giants hat he always wore, visible even from the outfield. Evan took his turns, tried valiantly, but knew what he was and what he was not, and a home-run hitter he was not. So he patrolled left field instead, tracking down fly balls and fielding grounders, arcing balls back toward the mound to keep the action moving. In the summer, they played till the fireflies came out, till they could no longer see the ball. In the woods behind the left field fence, Evan saw a line of them begin to blink. The field itself was still awash in the last golden light of the day, the outfield a blanket of mature dandelions shimmering like enchanted lavender, the sort of purplish summer twilight which seems like it will last forever if you can only keep your eye on it. But the woods were dark, and their shadow grew longer by the minute, as the darkness between the trees threatened to spill out across their game smothering this final lingering crystal of summer for good. It felt like a predator at his back, a jungle cat waiting to pounce, waiting for just this moment. 
How much longer could he ignore it? He had to turn, face it. It was his only hope of keeping it at bay. He had to turn. Would it already be on him when he did? He turned and found the woods and the darkness in the same place he'd left them. No tiger, no bobcat claws sinking into his torso. Only the sound of the morning doves. Except, did something just... Did something just... move? <laughs>